A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, once upon a time, in the beginning, some of the greatest stories start out this way and launch into an epic adventure, a journey that captivates us and that we want to be a a part of and it's exciting and takes us through many different aspects of the story. And what's interesting to know is that so many of these great stories actually have a pattern that flows through them that is very consistent. There's an American scholar by the name of Joseph Campbell who back in the mid 20th century wrote down this pattern that he had analyzed in in all of these different amazing stories. It's a pattern called the hero's journey. How many of you have heard of the hero's journey before? Okay, a few of you English nerds, good for you. The hero's journey is this incredible pattern that has really become popular in the last 10 or so years because people are starting to figure out that it applies to other areas of life as well. And so you'll see a lot of marketing gurus are starting to use the hero's journey to help brands better communicate what they do through the, through the uh, tool of narrative, through this hero's journey story. I want to walk you through a little bit of what this looks like. In the hero's journey, there's usually a main character called a hero. They may not act very much like a hero at times, but that's the title that's given to them. They live in a normal and ordinary world. Somehow, at some point, this character is called to a great adventure. It could be a rescue mission. It could be to take down an enemy. It could be to face some kind of a personal problem that they have, but they're called to an adventure. And at first, this hero is reluctant to go. There's something that keeps them from wanting to go on this adventure. But then they meet a guide, a mentor, someone that helps them to see the opportunity that they have or to overcome their fears or to find strength or encouragement or whatever it is they need to set out on this epic adventure. And there's this threshold that they have to cross when they have to make this decision. Am I going to commit to doing whatever this thing is, whatever this quest is that's in front of me? Am I going to actually follow through with this journey that I have been called to? And after they commit to whatever that quest is, the hero has to face all sorts of fears and challenges and trials and troubles and temptations, whatever it is, their enemies that they have to overcome along this journey. And usually there's one major obstacle at the end, at the climax of this story, this big thing that everything's been leading up to this moment that they have to overcome, this major obstacle at the end. And then they return back having learned all of these lessons and matured and grown as a person. And they bring back with them Uh, something of value, something to help the people that are back in their ordinary world. And so this is the hero's journey kind of story arc that it goes through, leaving an ordinary world and being called to adventure and reluctant to go and meeting a guide who helps you along the way, facing troubles and challenges and learning lessons from all of that and then returning back home with something of value for people who are in the ordinary world that you left in the beginning. And different stories take different kind of angles on this hero's journey, but pretty much all of the really incredible epic adventures follow something along this line of the hero's journey. In The Lord of the Rings, Frodo lives in the Shire. In his ordinary world, before he is called to adventure by Gandalf, right? And he's tasked with destroying the one ring. 
And at first Frodo is reluctant. He's not sure if he can do this, but then he's given a team of guides who help him along the way. And they're tested by all sorts of things. They're tested in their internal motivations. He's tested in his internal motivations. They're tested externally by enemies, but eventually all those difficulties are worth it. They become closer through the journey, through some difficulties, and eventually they defeat their enemy and they return to their ordinary world, back to their loved ones. Does anyone here like the Lion King? I know we've got more kids in here than normal, and I see a lot of adult hands up too, so good for you. I love The Lion King. It's a great, it's a great movie. I don't know what that says about me, but Simba has this nice, cushy life, right, as the royal prince. He's born in the best possible scenario for a young lion in an imaginary cartoon world, and Simba then has to face this issue when his uncle Scar, will say, removes Mufasa from his throne, and... And Simba then has to go off into the desert and he faces these challenges, but he's met with these guides, you know, Timon and, who's the other one? Pumbaa, that's right, Timon and Pumbaa are his guides then. And then he has to cross this threshold of adventure back into the Pride Lands to face his uncle Scar, who is kind of damaging the area. And he has this this great battle with Scar and eventually he's victorious. And after that, thanks to his leadership and the lessons that he has learned and the maturity that he has gained throughout this journey, he comes back. And because of all of that, through his leadership, the, the foliage of the pride lands is restored and the animals come back and everything is great again because of this epic journey that he had. I love these heroes journey stories. The Lord of the Rings, the Chronicles of Narnia follow this, Star Wars follows this, Pilgrim's Progress and many, many of the other stories that we love. And I think that deep down inside, most of us like these stories partly because we like to see ourselves in the characters that are in them. I think that all of us would love to be on such an epic adventure. All of us want to be able to face these challenges and, and overcome them. We want to beat the odds. We want, to, we want the help of a wise guide who comes alongside of us and teaches us just the right things we need to know at just when we need to learn them so that we can overcome the obstacles that we face. And most of all, We want to know that at the end of that epic journey, that adventure, there is a reward. There is a better future. That we will have grown and improved and be better off because of that. And we will be able to return wiser and victorious and with a great future ahead of us. So here's my thought for today. I think that all of us are on such an epic adventure. I think that we have our own hero's journey story arc narrative that we are in right now. And because of the tyranny of the urgent, because of the pressures around us every day, because of the bills that have to be paid and the schoolwork that has to get done or the taxes that we need to pay or the medical things we have to deal with, the scheduling things and meetings and work and all these other things we have to do, because of all of that, we miss recognizing the incredible epic journey that we are really on right now. Maybe you've heard the phrase, can't see the forest for the trees. How many of you have heard of that phrase before? Can't see the forest for the trees. You know what that means. It means that you're walking through a forest and there are trees all around you. And because of those trees that are around you, you cannot see the total scope of the forest. You are journeying through this forest, but you can't see the whole forest. All you see is what's right around you. 
So you can't really see where you're going. You can't really see the best path ahead. And if you would just pick the biggest tree and climb up it, you could see the whole forest, get a picture of what is out there and know, ah, that's where I need to go. That's where I came from. That's where I'm at right now. Here are the next things I need to do in this journey. You could see that whole landscape and know what to do next. So here's what I want to suggest to you on the eve, almost, of a new year. I think we need to zoom out a little bit from our daily lives and just take some time to look at the whole story, the epic journey that you and I are on. I think that many of us are lost in the trees and we're not able to see the full forest. We're entrenched in those things that are immediately around us and so we're not recognizing in many cases this epic narrative that we are on. I was talking with our our band and technical people before the service. And this thought came into my head that for so many people, the future and then afterlife and what happens at the end of their life is a really scary thing. A lot of people have anxiety about that. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we have this amazing gift of knowing what the end of the story looks like. We actually have the ability to zoom out and kind of see the big picture perspective. So we wanna do that this morning. Because for those of us who follow Jesus, that big picture story is really, really cool. And we are in it right now. You and I are in the middle of an incredible adventure, an epic journey. We don't often talk about it that way, but that's what we're going to do today. And I hope that our time this morning will help you to see some things differently. I hope that you'll be able to see exactly where you're at in your journey right now. I hope that you'll get a better sense for where you're going. I hope that it will help you to plan for 2019, that it will be a plan that will effectively represent your mission and what you want to do in this world with an understanding of your whole story and what God is doing in your life. I hope that you'll learn to appreciate the challenges and the troubles and the trials that you have gone through that we just sang about or maybe are going through right now. And understand that those are things that God is using to grow you along this journey with him. So I don't want you to just go into next year with a New Year's resolution. That's a good thing. But I want you to go in with a a plan. I want you to go in with an understanding of this big picture story that God has you in. And some clarity on how to best move forward. And I know that's going to look very different for different people. Um, So we're going to walk through this together. And it's probably going to hit you in different ways. The message today is called the light of the world adventure. Because that's what we're going to talk about. This is the final message in our series, the light of the world. And this is all going to tie in here. We've talked about Jesus as the light of the world. We've talked about the fact that we are the light of the world. We talked on Christmas Eve about the light that God puts in us. And now we're going to step back and look at the big picture for our lives and say, what does this look like in our, in our total lives? So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want, or you can use the Version Bible app. You'll find us there under events and First Free Church. You can also just go to efree.org slash Bible if you want to do it that way. And you'll find the verses there that we are going to go through. One thing I want to clarify up front. I know that we have a lot of guests with us today. And uh, of course, a lot of people are out of town too. So we've, we've replaced a lot of regulars with guests. And that's awesome. And we're so glad you're here. 
But I want to be aware that some of you, maybe even regular tenders, because we have regular tenders, um, that have told me, I, I am not a follower of Jesus. And that's wonderful that you're here. We are so glad you are here. But I just have to give you the caveat that everything I talk about today is going to be from the perspective of a follower of Jesus. And so if that's not you, it's still awesome that you're here. And what you're probably going to get from this is some explanation and some clarity around what we believe and why. Maybe some answers to questions that you've had, but you've never asked before. No one's ever answered before. So this is still going to be great for you, but you just need to know I'm going to be approaching this and I'm going to be talking directly to those of us who are followers of Jesus in this room and watching online. So if you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's just pause for a moment and ask God for guidance as he teaches us from his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is amazing. It is so deep and complex and it teaches us so many things. And today I feel like we are, we are on this threshold of a new year that could really be incredible in many of our lives. I know there are a lot of things going on here. There are new jobs. Um, there's loss of jobs. Um, there's marital issues here. There's parenting issues here. There's relational issues. There's all kinds of problems that are, that are in, our, in our lives right now, Lord stressors and anxiety that we are facing and a lot of times those things that are around us they're like the trees that keep us from being able to see what you're doing in our lives in the world so God would you just help us today Uh, would you just pull us out of the humdrum of daily life and give us some clarity and some focus in on the big picture to see that narrative story that you are weaving and to see where our life fits into that Lord And then help us to take action based on that. Help us to know how that hits us, how that applies to us, and what you want us to do in our lives, Lord. Let this time together be like a launching pad for some great things that you are going to do in our lives in 2019. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at this passage in three different sections, okay? The first section is the one that we looked at this week on Christmas Eve. The first couple of verses. Verse 6 says, for God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So last week on Christmas Eve, we talked about those fragile clay jars that are still used in many parts of the world like disposable cups. And Paul says that we are like fragile clay jars compared to the great treasure that God puts inside of us. Compared to God and compared to his light, we are like these fragile kind of cheap, easily broken things compared to him. And that is exactly where our call to this epic adventure begins. As a fragile clay jar. Something that is easily broken. Something that is relatively cheap by comparison to the incredible, immense value of God. As ordinary people in this world. Here's how Paul puts it in Ephesians. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, 
the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So think about what Paul is saying through the lens of that narrative pattern that we talked about. This is like Frodo before Gandalf. This is Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy before the wardrobe. This is Luke before Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is the ordinary state that we are in, fragile clay jars thrown about by all sorts of different things, easily tempted, easily brought to stay, an enemy of God, and yet we so often don't even realize it. That's the condition we were all in. In our ordinary world, just like everyone else, full of sin, an enemy of God, but not fully realizing it. We thought we were basically good, and we had no idea how wrong we were. So I want this to be kind of an interactive message today. And if you happen to get a program when you came in, on the back of that program is a map looks like this. It's called My Journey. And this is kind of an adaptation of that hero's journey narrative. Because I think when we look at what the Bible says about us, you can see that we are on such an epic journey. And it actually follows this pattern very, very well. So this is a little bit of an adaptation, a little bit of a condensed version. But I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. And if you don't have a pen or a pencil, you might want to borrow someone from someone next to you because you can do this in your head, but it's going to be so much more effective if you actually write some things down as we go through this together. It's almost more of a workshop than a message today, okay? So if you have a piece of paper, you can just draw this along with us. I'll kind of walk through it as we go. Here's the first thing I want you to do. Life before Jesus, I want you to think about what your life was like before trusting in Jesus. And just write down a couple of words. Write down a couple of things that describe what that was like for you. Now, I understand some of you may have been too young to remember. So for some of you, life before Jesus was like diapers and, you know, sleep, and that was it. Uh, But for many of us, for many of us, we can remember something about what life before Jesus was like. So write down a couple of words about that. What would you describe that as before trusting in Jesus? Just a couple of things. And then we're going to move on from that. This idea of the refusal of that call from the hero's journey. For many of us, there are obstacles along the way to trusting in Jesus. And I want you to think about that too. Because maybe for some of you, there was an obstacle in your path. Uh, and I want to ask you, what were the biggest obstacles, if any, to you trusting in Jesus. Think back to that. What was it? It could have been some excuses. It could have been some doubts. It could have been some questions that needed to be answered. But if there was a major obstacle for you, just write down what that was, or two of them, on your journey. You know, we know from uh, one survey of Christians that the average believer in Jesus heard the gospel message over seven times before they actually believed it. So for those first six times, there were some reasons, there were some issues, there were some some issues with doubt or excuses or trust or whatever it was that they did not. So that's the type of thing you're thinking about here. What was it that maybe kept me at first from wanting to believe, from wanting to trust if there was anything like that? Here's how how Paul um, talks about this because at some point, 
There's a guide that comes into your life. Someone who shares the truth about Jesus with you. Paul says in Romans 10, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. God always works through a messenger. And so here's what I want you to do. Think through who helped to point you to Jesus. Okay, who helped to point you to Jesus? Who was it that introduced Jesus to you? There was someone who shared the message of the gospel with you and became your guide in our framework. Who was that? Write that person down. Who pointed you to Jesus? So now we've talked a little bit about our ordinary life before trusting in Jesus, the obstacles that we faced to trusting in Jesus, the guide who showed us the way, and then at some point we crossed this threshold into a relationship with Jesus Christ. At some point we said, I am all in. I believe in it. Jesus, come into my life. I want you to walk beside me. I want to follow you through this journey of life together. And so what I'm going to ask you to do now is there's a spot for you to put down where did you commit to Jesus and cross that threshold. If you remember where and when were you, just write down a couple of things. Do you remember that day? Do you remember where it was? If you remember who told you that you crossed that threshold and said, I am going to trust in Jesus and commit to him. It is so fun, at least for me, to look back on my life and reflect on the answers to those questions. And to think back to, oh wow, that's the, that's, wow, that's the journey that I've been on. That's the process that I've been on that brought me to this point of trusting in Jesus. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 about when we trust in Jesus. It says that God puts his light inside of us. We talked about that earlier this week. God puts his light inside of us. It's a treasure in a fragile clay jar. It's powerful. It's valuable. Go ahead and put that graphic up there. The light inside of the fragile clay jar. God puts his light inside of us. This changes us from the inside out. And when we let that light shine, when we live good lives, doing good things, pointing back to God and not to ourselves, we point other people back to the source of that light, right? Which is God. The light always points back to a light source. We talked about that last Sunday. So now we have God's light inside of us. We have Jesus walking with us on our journey. We have this incredible story of being far from God and obstacles, but then a guy who tells us about God's love for us and Jesus and what he did for us and then crossing that threshold of trusting in him and God puts his light in us and we're on this epic journey with him and from this point on, everything is just awesome. I mean, there are no problems at all in our lives, right? After we trust in Jesus. Isn't that how that works? I mean, isn't this supposed to be like life is easy, life is calm, Jesus is with me now, I never have to worry about anything, I've got his perfect peace guarding my heart, and I'm never anxious, I'm never cautious, I don't, I don't care about it. it's just like, oh, God is great, right? Is that not your experience? Here's what, thank you for that. <laughs> we were just talking about your stuff earlier today. Life is hard. Here's what Paul says. Next verse, verse eight. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, 
but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Ah, excuse me, Mr. Paul. I don't think that's what I was promised. See, I seem to remember someone telling me that if I believed in Jesus, I, I would have a great life. And I would have the house that I wanted and the car that I wanted and the spouse that I wanted and the body that I wanted and all of this stuff was supposed to happen to me if I believe in Jesus. Isn't that how this is supposed to work? And Paul would say, not in my experience, Not in my experience at all, in case you didn't catch it the first time. Here's what life with Jesus has looked like for me. Verse 8, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are perplexed. Verse 9, we are hunted down. We get knocked down. Verse 10, suffering. We are suffering in our bodies. We share in the death of Jesus. Verse 11, we're under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So basically... Here's what life looks like now. We are pressed in on every side by troubles. And if we look through that narrative pattern that we talked about earlier, these are the challenges, the trials, the troubles, the temptations, the enemies that we face after we've crossed that threshold into the journey, but before we reach the final victory, our destination. That is where we are at right now in the story. It's not time for the victory lap yet. We're still in the thick of things. We should expect difficulty in this. If anything, setting out on this journey may have not led to more comfort. It may have led to less, especially spiritually, because the things that maybe we would have laughed at before, now they convict us. The things that we would have taken part in before, now we're kind of repulsed by them. And yes, we may still do some of them sometimes, but we feel awful about it because the Holy Spirit is there to convict us. And so now, sometimes we feel a whole lot more uncomfortable with them than we did before because of where we're at in this journey right now. Go back to your map. And here's what I want you to do. Write down one or two of the big challenges, trials, or temptations that you are facing right now or have recently faced? How are you being tested on this journey? How are you being tested right now? And I understand you may not want to write down the actual word of what it is, but you know what it is. Maybe put the first letter. Maybe put something that kind of represents it, something so that you know, this is what I'm dealing with right now in my life. It could be a medical issue. It could be a sin issue. It could be a parent issue. It could be a sibling issue. It could be some other kind of relationship, a marriage issue. It could be a job issue. But here's what I'm struggling with right now. Because life isn't so perfect. Life isn't so awesome. I can't do that victory lap yet because I've got problems. And maybe you don't feel that way right now. Maybe life feels really wonderful to you right now. What's the last thing that you faced? Write that down. What's the last big struggle, challenge that you had? So why do we do it, Paul? Why do we go on this journey if after we cross that threshold, we don't just have this wonderful, amazing life? Why do we go through all of these problems and trials and challenges and struggles and facing enemies that we have? Here's what he says. This is the third section of our passage today, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 12. 
So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. And get this, this is what he says in the next verse, 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. There's no health and wealth gospel here, by the way. Our bodies are dying, but we never give up. Our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. There are troubles all around us. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. You see, in this epic adventure of following after Jesus, it will all be worth it in the end. Why? Because the end of this journey is eternal life with God. What can be better than that? And because of our faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, we will be raised to life with him. And all of these difficulties that we face, they're all worth it if it leads to more people seeing God in our lives and trusting in Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. These troubles that we face, they are what have allowed us to to communicate the gospel to you and for you to know that this is genuine because we've gone through these difficulties and we've come through with faith and you see that and you trust in him because you see that in our lives. It means God gets more glory. It means more people find healing and forgiveness that they don't deserve it, but they desperately need it. And so Paul says back in verse 16, that's why we never give up. Verse 17, our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Oh, we're very aware of them. Paul was very aware of his troubles. He had that thorn in the flesh that he asked God three times, would you remove this? Paul was incredibly aware of his troubles. And sometimes he asked God to remove them and yet he doesn't focus on them. He doesn't fixate on them. He says, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. He wants to focus on the things that will last forever. What are those things that cannot be seen? Well, it's eternity with God. It's being raised to life with Jesus. It's being surrounded by people who have trusted in Jesus because of our faithful testimony along this journey as we have ministered to them in spite of the troubles and the challenges that we are still in. That's the part of the story that we are in right now. See, Paul understood that he was on this incredible journey this epic adventure. He understood that the challenges and the problems that he was facing were temporary and that he didn't have to focus on those because there was something so much better ahead. Not only that, the authors of the Bible understood that many times the problems and the challenges that we face are actually allowed for our good that we will learn from them, that we will grow from them. James says in chapter one, verse two, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Does that make sense to you? When the next time you have a big challenge hit you, be like, oh good, I get to rejoice now. 
Consider an opportunity for great joy whenever a trouble comes to you. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Here's the question for you in your notes. What are some lessons that you have learned along this journey from some of your most difficult trials? You just wrote down some of those challenges, those trials that you have faced. In a couple of words, how have you most grown on that journey? Write that down on your map. How have you grown? What lessons have you learned? What has God been teaching you lately? And then we want to think about the new year. What is this going to look like? That story pattern that we have been talking about, it has the hero returning back to his ordinary world, right? And bringing back something of value, something to help other people. They wouldn't be much of a hero if they kept it all to themselves. Going back to the ordinary world. Now we all know that Jesus is the hero of our story, okay? So you can just delete that email draft right now. I understand. We are not the hero of our story. Jesus is the hero of our story, okay? But following that narrative pattern, we are a character in that story. We are someone who is in the middle of this. And we have the opportunity to go back into our ordinary world. Not to be taken immediately to heaven, but to stay here and represent Jesus and bring back something of value and something of help to other people. So here's the chance to write something more. How are you bringing that reward of life in Jesus Christ back into the ordinary world? We've talked about this a lot this year. How are you bringing back that reward of what you have found through your journey with Christ to other people who do not yet know him? Back into the ordinary world. World, What are you doing to help rescue and help others? And maybe that's nothing. And so you can write nothing. And then you can kind of circle that and come up with some ideas for what do I need to be doing? Jesus did not leave us here on this earth so that we could just have a wonderful, comfy, cushy life. He left us here so that we could grow through challenges and troubles. And he left us here so that we could represent him to others. And bring the help and the rescue to others, just as the hero does in that narrative pattern. And there's one last thing I want to leave you with today. It's the final thing, the last point. What's the destination for your journey? Where is this going to end up? And what are you most looking forward to about that? Go ahead and write that down. What, if you think about the future and you think about what it's going to be like for you after you die... What are you most looking forward to? You know, for some of you, the answer to that might be, I'm looking forward to having perfect health. I'm looking forward to not having this health issue anymore in my life. For some of you, that answer might be, I'm looking forward to just having awesome relationships. I'm looking forward to getting to ask Jesus some questions about things that I don't understand. I'm looking forward to being able to meet Moses and Abraham and David and ask them some questions and and learn about what happened back then. Fill in all those details. Some of you might be looking forward to just learning whether or not dogs really do go to heaven. I don't know. What are you looking forward to about your destination, where you're going to end up? Write down whatever that is. Paul said that all the troubles on his journey were worth it for two reasons. More people trusted in Jesus as a result and he knew 
that ultimately he would be raised to life with Jesus Christ to spend eternity with God. And think about that for a minute. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the words that we have read this morning, who used to be Saul, who persecuted Christians, that was his obstacle. And then he crossed that threshold into faith in Jesus. He had multiple guides along the way. And he eventually penned these words that we just read about the troubles being worth it because eventually he would be raised to life and he would spend eternity eternity with God. That same man is currently, right now, presently, at this very moment, I'm not sure how many other ways I can say that, in heaven with God. Think about that. The guy who wrote this, who said that he was looking forward to that, is now there. He's not on this earth anymore. He is experiencing the very thing that he was looking forward to. And it would be kind of neat if he could just come down for a minute, right? And just tell us like, hey guys, it's worth it. It's worth it. Like don't throw away your character and your integrity along the way. Don't be sidetracked by all these distractions. Don't allow the trees that are right around you to take your eyes off of the whole forest that you're in. Don't forget about the great reward that is coming in the future. Don't neglect the priority of bringing back that reward for people around you in the ordinary world because your time is limited there. It's common to think that people who are up in heaven are looking down on us, that maybe Paul is kind of like listening to this right now and who knows, maybe he's like, no, no, Adam, you're all wrong. You know, I don't know. I don't think that's actually the case. Because I think that Paul is just completely enamored with God. It's hard for me to imagine being in the presence of Jesus and wanting to come back and spy on us. But I could be totally wrong. But I think that if he were to come back here and speak to us, he would say, it's all worth it. Don't get sidetracked on this journey. You know your destination. You have such an advantage over everyone else in this ordinary world because you already know where you're going. They don't even fully understand it. They think maybe it's gonna be like this. Maybe it's gonna be like that. Maybe I just disappear and I don't really know. Maybe I have to work my way through something once I get to the afterlife. It's like, no. We already know how this story ends. It's all worth it in the end. What does your destination look like? There's so much value in us zooming out from time to time and taking stock of our whole lives with that story that we are in in mind. James also tells us that our life is like a vapor, that it's here for a very brief moment and then it's gone. And so the way I see it, we have a limited window of opportunity to make the most of this portion of the journey that we are on. And there's stuff that happened before and there's a whole lot of stuff that happens afterward. But we are in this little window right now, this little part of the journey where we can't take a victory lap yet. And we're still in those troubles and trials and challenges and we just have to go through that part of the journey representing Christ with his light shining through us, realizing that it's so much bigger than the little things we see right now. We have to understand that even with all the troubles we see all around us, we, we have the roadmap. We know where this is going to end up. And our journey through that forest is a lot shorter than we realize. We need to make the most of it. So what will the next chapter look like for you? 
This is a great time to just stop and think about what is 2019 going to be for me? What has God been prompting you in your heart to do? Maybe it's to get involved in a ministry somewhere. Maybe it's to finally reach out to that, that person, that friend, that coworker, that neighbor that you've kind of been putting off but you've been convicted about and you know you should. Maybe it's to get serious about your marriage and investing in that. Maybe it's to spend more time with your kids and less time with your job. Maybe it's to mend some relationships that have been broken because you've done some things that maybe weren't appropriate. Whatever it is, what has God been prompting you to do that you need to take care of in this next year? And how are you going to let God's light shine through you to other people? That's what we're here for right now. We are the light of the world and our time is short to represent that light in this world. What are we going to focus on? What are we gonna plan for? What are we going to do in the next year that's going to represent that light well and let his light shine through us? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute? And I wanna do this, I'm not gonna pray just yet, but I, I, wanna, I want us to all just bow our heads and close our eyes and here's why. I don't want you looking around. I don't want you looking at me. I don't want you looking at the screen. I just want you and God right there alone with him and ask this question. God, what do you want from me next in my journey? What's next in this part of the story and would you give me wisdom to be able to handle that well? Or maybe you're going through a difficult time right now and here's a question for you to ask. God, how do you want me to respond to this? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do with this? Lord, would you give me wisdom in that? And probably for a lot of us, it's not so much a question of what, it's more of a question of, God, would you give me the courage to do what I already know you want me to do? Would you give me the boldness to step out and talk to that person? Would you give me the, the courage and the boldness to do what's right? Maybe to end that relationship that's unhealthy for me. Maybe to reach out to someone that needs you and be a light to them. And then here's the big one. Lord, in the midst of all of these challenges and troubles, if this is you, pray this to Jesus. If this is in the midst of all these challenges and problems, Lord, would you help me to see the big picture? of the story that you are weaving through my life, to understand that this is just one small portion of it and all of the troubles and challenges I face now, they will be worth it in the end. So help me, Lord, to focus on you. Help me, Lord, to fix my eyes on you past the trees to see the whole forest of what you are doing through my life in this world because I know the end. I know the outcome. I know where this story is going. I know that it ends in victory and that changes how I live my life today. Let's all pray together. Jesus, thank you for being our guide and for being our savior, for rescuing us and giving us the opportunity to be on this incredible journey with you. Help us to remember that this week and this coming year as we move into this. Help us to remember that the little things around us are not so big that they should take our attention off the big things that you are doing through us and in us in this incredible journey that you have us on together. And so I pray that this next year we would grow more than we did in the last. I pray that you would teach us things that we haven't even encountered yet, Lord. I pray that you would grow us and perfect us through the challenges and through the trials and that you would help us to see that it is worth it all because of what you are doing in us and where you are taking us. We pray all of this 
In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Hey, before you leave today, next week, remember, we are launching a new series in Philippians called And Rejoicing. So come back and join us for that. Have a wonderful week. Happy New Year.